Hey, welcome to The Conversation. This is Andy Mason, and you're listening to Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. If you want to find out more outside of this podcast, you can check out heaveninbusiness.com or authentic-solutions.com, and you'll find out more of what we do. Hey, today I am back in my office, back in Redding, California. Last week I was out on the East Coast in Abbeville, South Carolina, and then I got to be in, or just south of Pittsburgh, with a mastermind group having a retreat with our spouses. It was outstanding. And then uh, as we came back from there to Washington, where I flew home from, uh, we got to stop by the uh, Flight 93 Memorial and also had a tour, a guided tour at Gettysburg. Life-changing. So I'm going to talk about that, just some lessons that I learned. And there's really two key things I want you to take home from this. One, you'll hear this through the stories. Number one is uh, you and your life is far more significant than you realize. Uh, So often seemingly insignificant people do significant things just because they take initiative and act. So that's one thing I want you to take from this call. And then secondly is... Just this question, are you building to yourself or are you building something bigger than you? And that will also come out through the stories that I'm going to tell. So uh, this, here we go. Let's just dive right into this. I mean, like I said, it, we had a wonderful time. If you haven't done or haven't had the ability to do so, I highly recommend, uh, especially if you're American, uh, check out Gettysburg and the story of what happened there. It was a pivotal point in the Civil War. Around 1863, that battle was fought, and it was literally a tipping point for the United States, or what stayed as the United States. If not, who knows what would have happened. So that was a tipping point in the war, which became a tipping point in the nation. So uh, what are the points out of that that I want to bring to your attention? So if you're not aware of this, uh, the North and the South of the United States fought primarily over slavery. That was at the core heart of it. And you say, why is it the core heart of it? Because the Southern industry was based on slave labor. So if Abraham Lincoln came in and they outlawed or abolished slavery, it was going to take away a massive workforce and will hurt their pockets. So that's one of the key drivers of the North versus South. So the South decided to secede and they chose to fight to keep them in the Union. Now, uh, if they hadn't done that, just a quick fast forward, if America had not stayed as one, then there is a lot of doubt whether it would have had the base financial numbers, numerical strength to actually be anything significant in contribution to World War II. So there's all of these little things that flow on to affecting things are much bigger than what we see or what we know at the time. If you want to dive into more than that, I recommend you grab this little book called The Butterfly Effect. The Butterfly Effect. And it's it was originally a book, I believe, by Andy... Uh, what's his name? Andy Andrews. Andy Andrews. You'll find that book, The Butterfly Effect. So, all of that said, what do I want to talk about? 
Well, we got to have this tour, and there's a couple of things that stood out as we went around the battlefield. There were monuments. There's literally 1,300 monuments that are around the battlefield. Now, in the battlefield, there were 50,000, approximately 50,000 people that either lost their lives or wounded or uh, taken as prisoners of war, or they can't find them. There was a, a force of 95 to 100,000 of the Union Army, and I believe it was about 70 to 75,000 of the Confederates, that's the South, that fought at that point. It was not set up as an intentional zone to fight. It was literally uh, the city of Gettysburg is a series of roads that intersect at that spot. So it's like they inadvertently came together at that point. There is a strategic high point uh, on one side of the city, and the city at the time was 2,400 people, so very small. Two massive armies joining and engaging at that point. So what's the contrast? A couple of points. Uh, the Union line at the very far end of that line, it's a key point that if someone if the if the enemy breaks through at that point they literally come all the way down the line and take out the army well there was a particular soldier by the name of joshua lawrence chamberlain who was given the task of holding the end of that line at all costs which literally means at all costs so he started off with over 300 men that had gone down to significantly low numbers he was each time the confederates would charge uh, they would then restock reload he had about 80 bullets per soldier and they went through all of those uh, on successive charges of the confederate army uphill about a 50 foot uh, climb up a hill that they were charging against joshua chamberlain and his men uh, it got to the point where over a period of time Joshua Chamberlain calls for more ammunition and more men, and there were no more men, no fresh men. There's bodies everywhere. And secondly, there was no more ammunition. He looks down the hill and he sees the Confederate army lining up to charge again with fresh men and plenty of ammunition. So he knows that he has this point where he's given the command to hold the line at all costs. So to cut the story short, he chooses to tell his men to fix bayonets and they decide as a last ditch effort, they're going to charge down the hill with sword and bayonet rifles against a fully armed and equipped loaded uh, enemy force that have guns. They do that, and the Confederate army is so shocked that they turn and run. Uh, and literally, the person in charge of that uh, group of soldiers hands his loaded pistol to Joshua Chamberlain. What's the point? One small selfless act has the potential to change history. His act was the tipping point of the war. It saved that for the entire line of the Union Army and also tipped the scales to once that uh, group of Confederates turned and ran, then we saw a series of successive things start to happen further on 
and for the next day, which became a union, a decisive union victory. That's number one. But what happened after the war? And this is what I want to draw your attention to. They, whoever it was, union survivors came to Joshua Chamberlain. They said, we want to make a monument on this ground to you and those that fought here because you really changed the course of history. Joshua Chamberlain says, those of us who lived don't need to be reminded of the battle. But don't make a statue or a monument to me. Write on the statue or write on the monument the names of those who gave their lives. What's the point? He's not doing something to himself. He's doing it to the credit of those who sacrificed and gained or lost their lives. Contrast that with Daniel Sickles. He was another Union army at a strategic point in the line, more in the middle, middle left flank. And he had under his command 2,000 Union soldiers. The place where he was given to command and defend, he didn't like. So being the person that he was, politically motivated, a political army person rather than a career soldier, he called all of his 2,000 troops and chose to advance in spite of the orders that he had to hold the line. What did that do? Well, number one, it caused there to be a breach or a break in the line, making all of the other Union soldiers vulnerable. Number two, it caused a significant loss of his men that was unnecessarily or were unnecessarily exposed to the Confederate fire. Number three, and here's what I want to draw your attention to in contrast with Joshua Chamberlain, is so this one small act, which was entirely selfish, he wanted to promote himself and use this for political gain and not follow the orders uh, he unfortunately had a cannonball that took his leg off, crushed his leg, and they had to amputate it. But what he did is seeing the opportunity, he got his leg pickled and preserved, and after the war, used that to tell stories of how significant he was in the key point that he had in the Battle of Gettysburg. He went on to a political career leveraging what happened, even though it was a stupid, foolish decision. He turned it to try and use it for his own advantage in promoting himself. What's the point? The contrast of those two men is, is profound. One, in the simple selfless act compared to promoting self, and secondly, in in making a monument to yourself compared to laying your life down to seek the well-being of others. That was one example I want to draw to your attention. You can find out more on that. You can Google them and look into that. But secondly was another thing that stood out is this battle was start of July 1863. A huge loss of life. So after the battle, there were 20,000 wounded left in that small town of 2,400 people. So literally every single house became a hospital. Well, they had a lot of loss of lives. So they decided that they would create a national cemetery for the soldiers that died. Come November, I believe the 19th, they dedicated that cemetery and there was a large number of people 
that came from all around to be part of the dedication. There was a particular speaker who was nationally famous that was asked to come and do the, the speech. Uh, and he literally spoke for two hours to commemorate the opening of this cemetery. As a last ditch or add on decision, somebody reached out to President Abraham Lincoln and invited him to come and say a few closing words intentionally telling him to keep it brief. Abraham Lincoln got up at the end of that two-hour speech and spoke for two minutes. Compared to two hours, two minutes. Years later, nobody remembers the two-hour speech, but everybody knows that two-minute speech that was the Gettysburg Address that put purpose and meaning to the sacrifice of those soldiers that motivated and gave vision to the fight that they were engaged in. What's the point? If you need to take two hours to say what could be said in two minutes, think about it again. Secondly, it's one simple act that can change history. It doesn't have to be something long and labored. Third, are you building something to yourself and talking about how great you are or are you literally wanting to do something that captures the heart of people and moves them forward? Those two examples it greatly impacted my life, seeing that play out, putting those two things together. But not only that, there's actually in the Bible the story. And this is found in Isaiah 22. And it was the prophet coming and saying that there's this guy called Shebna the scribe. And he was given as a steward in a particular area, in the temple, I believe. But what he did, it said he literally built a sepulcher or a tomb to himself. He used his position to promote himself and literally build a monument for himself. And the judgment of God came and said, I'm going to remove him because he hasn't used his position to help others. He's used it to just advance and promote himself. And God says, I'm going to elevate Eliakim and he's going to take his place because he is a father to the inhabitants of the city. Isaiah 22, 15 to 25. What's the point? You can be the same. The promise given to Eliakim was literally that he could go and get advantage and move forward and was promoted in place of this other man. What's the point? The contrast of this to me is again and again and again. What are you going to do with your position? What are you going to do with the favor, whether that's a positional a place of leadership, whether it's a relational place of leadership, are you going to use that to promote yourself and build a monument to yourself? Or are you going to use that to uh, build something that will seek the well-being of the city, of the inhabitants of the city around you, your family, your community? Uh, what else? The simple decisions, the simple selfless decisions that you make can literally change the course of history in the world. That one decision from Joshua Chamberlain, where he literally chose to fix bayonets and charge, changed the course of history for that battle. That battle became a tipping point 
for the war because the Confederates lost so many men in that uh, in the battle. Changed the course of history for the war. That changed the course of history for the United States of America. It retained or remained in the United States compared to being a North and South country. That literally changed the course of history for World War II when the Americans came in and made a significant difference and tipping point against Hitler's regime. So what about you? What will you do with the position that you have? You have more and a greater and more significant influence than you realize. And sometimes seemingly insignificant people rise to the top of the generation because they have the humility to receive and the hunger to go after more. What could you do with what you have? Have a wonderful week. I trust that's been challenging and inspiring. And we'll talk to you again next week.